This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Thursday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in Mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey and Brendan Schaefer here. No producer Chris today, but I'll be back tomorrow, 875-KTGR. If you want to call or text us here on the show, happy Thursday, happy leap day. How about that? Once every four years or so, we get an extra day and we... Wait, 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 wait. What's that? Every four, every four years or so, or is it just like every four years? Did I say once every four years or so? Yeah, you said that? Every four years or <laughs> yeah, so? Yeah, you know. Something it just like decides that. on whatever it's going to be. No, the it's sun's like got... That. The sun has hot takes on how often leap year has to be... Uh, has to be construed into our calendars. We do so. have some hot takes, hot takes on the solar system. We know that. We've but, planetary uh, puns. You're yeah. on the big show. Uh, but uh, how about that? Leap Day today. We're going to celebrate Leap Day here on the show. Oh, are we? With our best sports leaps draft <laughs> at 525. Oh. What are the best leaps in all of sports, like memorable midair sports moments. Okay. Or maybe even just leaps by, like figurative leaps by teams or or players do or coaches. Leaps of, do leaps of logic count? Because I feel like you have a lot of those on the show sometimes. Well, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I, lame attempt at a leap well, pun, but okay. I'm, we're working on it. We're I working guess. with what we got here. It's leap day. It is leap break. day. We'll work with what we got at 525 during our best sports leaps draft uh we'll also talk some mizzou 15 straight losses for mizzou men's basketball woo yeah that's the opposite of a leap well no. maybe a leap in the uh wrong direction we'll get Off to uh, get to that in a few minutes yeah well it feels like it uh we'll also talk about the college football playoff uh executive committee and why they're trying to just ruin our fun oh at 5.05, apparently a 14-team bracket is gaining some traction. And it's dumb as hell. Everything about it stinks. Yeah, it really is. So uh, we'll talk about it at 5.05. And we'll give you another chance to win some Como Man Show tickets at 5.20. So be tuned in around that time for your chance to win Como Man Show tickets. That's coming up next Saturday, March 9th at the Northeast Event Center. going to be a great time. You can go and get more info at KTGR.com or at ComoManShow.com. Give us a call or a text at 875-KTGR. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now, the Big Show's Big Deal. Yet again, Mizzou unable to get their first conference win of the season in men's basketball. They were on the road at Florida last night, made it close in the second half. They cut it down to a one-point deficit. After trailing by nine at halftime, but could not finish the job once again. They lose 83-74. to Sean East with 20 points. There were three other players in double figures scoring for the Tigers last night. Scoring didn't seem to be the big issue. It's just, once again, defense. Can't get enough stops to make comebacks. 
And the Tigers now are 8-20 overall, 0-15 in the SEC. It's now a 15-game losing streak, extending the program long. And it also guarantees that Mizzou will finish dead last in the SEC standings this season. They're mathematically eliminated from being any higher than 14. Next game is at home against Ole Miss on Saturday. That's the Big Show's big deal on this 29th day of February, 2024. 875 KTGR. You want to call or text us here. 15 straight losses. Even no, if, even come when, on. Like, come on. Andy, seriously, what are we talking about today? We're not, we're talking about this for real. I mean, for real. <laughs> it, it keeps getting worse and worse, man. Well, I get no, it, it doesn't. It, actually, it doesn't. This is the same game that we've seen 15 times in a row, it feels like. This is the way they lose every single game. They're down by, you know, five points with 10 minutes to go, and you're like, hey, they're in the mix, and then they just kind of, you know, do nothing well, yeah. to the finish of the game. The defense crumbles. Can't get enough stops. And at this point, I mean, you you have to think mentally they're just drained after that. They just don't know how to come from behind anymore in these situations. They knew at the the beginning of the season. We saw them come back against Minnesota. We saw them come back against Pittsburgh. And in this portion of the schedule, for whatever reason, it just keeps weighing heavier and heavier on this team with every loss. So that's, that's where they're at, to the point where... It seems darn near impossible now to overcome when they can't even get a lead. And sometimes when they get a lead, they can't keep it in the second half. And just time and again, uh, going to, uh, to to find ways to lose. And so, yeah, only three more games left in the regular season. I'd say that with some excitement in your voice, some pep in your step. 40.7% chance of going winless in the SEC, according to Ken Palm, which is basically the same percentage that they give them to to beat Ole Miss on Saturday. It's the exact same percentage. Oh, because that's that's the only one they've got a shot at? That's really their last good shot left. It is a home game against a team that you played tough on the road. Rally for Ryan on Saturday. Oh, it's got to be. That's the only way. Right? Come on, guys. If ever there were a time to go ahead and show up for 40 and not just like 35 minutes with a a cursory, you know, eight-minute drought somewhere in there. It would be this game. I and all this has been kind of fading too. No, right? they're not good. Yeah. Their record is good, but they're not good. I I'm gonna stupid end up picking Mizzou for this game because it's been I I said for a while. No, nah, I'm not gonna pick them, and then I've been picking them like almost every day. Yeah, but mostly because we haven't had to spend a lot of time talking about it. Like I think <laughs> I think it was. I think it was five fifty seven yesterday when I said Andy score prediction <laughs> for tonight. Uh well, it yep. seemed that I was too nice to Mizzou's defense on that point because I said uh, seventy to sixty-two, Mizzou would lose. But no, they gave up eighty-three. Yeah, I said they'd win by eight. They lost by nine. So you know, close. I was almost close. I was almost on target. <laughs> I said they'd lose by eight. So I was <laughs> maybe a little bit closer. Well, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's all relative. But eight seven five KTGR, call or text us uh, here with your Mizzou basketball thoughts. Yeah, it's. 
it's rough. It's almost but over. You're right. It is it's almost, almost over. over. That's You've the, got, the right side. You know for sure when you're going to – not only when you're going to be playing what day in the SEC tournament, now, but now you know pretty much the time, too. You know like your you're seed. the 14 seed. Yep. You're going to play the 11 seed. It's going to be the second game late on Wednesday night in Nashville. You're playing at like 8.30 p.m. and – there ain't going to be nobody in the gym, right? Like, there ain't going to be, be nobody in, at Bridgestone Arena. No, I'm not going to be there. I mean, just. I've been, I've been to it before. I, I have to. I've taken the time to go to the SEC tournament. This will not be one of the years in which I do that. Actually, I've seen Mizzou play a NCAA tournament game at that arena. Yeah. Um, they didn't win it either. No. Coincidentally. That was, but that was Florida State, wasn't it? That was the Florida State. Dennis Gates was there. <laughs> yeah, he sure was, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. I mean, our good pal Leonard Hamilton. Right. Man, that was anyway. I mean, it's kind of a bummer that those were like the brighter days of Mizzou hoops when they at least would get to the tournament and lose in the first round. Hey, last year, last year, Dennis Gates was their coach and they won a game in the tournament. That was pretty cool. Now, again, they did lose to a 15 seed a couple days later, but, you know, they at least uh, I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here, Andy. I, I want I want I want better for the program. And I'm not saying, oh, make a coaching change. I'm just venting because we've had to talk about the same basketball game played in a Groundhog Day-like setting 15 times in a row in conference play where Missouri, and I won't say 15 because there were some of those games where they weren't as competitive. But honestly, Andy, most of them, they have been competitive somewhat, keeping the, you know, staying within arm's reach of the opponent. But then sort of you get into those final four, final eight minutes, kind of withering away. It's the same game and the same team, and I think we're just to the point in the calendar where we, we don't really think they're maybe capable of much more. Dennis Gates has, has exhausted the options when it comes to tinkering with lineups. Um, Noah Carter playing a lot fewer minutes last night, didn't score. I mean, like, they're just, you know, they're just not, they're not, they're not there this year. You know, I wonder how we feel about this. 875-KTGR, you want to call or text in with your thoughts, but again, we... We look at Ken Palm a lot because they they break down a lot of things within the like the game within the game almost. I love things, yes. Of, uh, of college basketball, the ins and outs and everything. And one of the things they try to break down and extract is luck. There's a luck metric within Ken Palm. Like, again, the, the folks out there say, well, you create your own luck by winning, by being good. Well, yeah, you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong on that, but... There are aspects of the game. There are moments that are kind of without your, that are out of your control. And Kempom does their best to try and extract that out and right. see who's luckiest, who's unluckiest. Right now, as we speak, Mizzou is the unluckiest team in college basketball. What? 362 <laughs> out of 362 on the luck metric, according to Kempom. Ain't that some stuff? At the very bottom. Okay. And again, like it, it's not like they're, it, oh, only the bad teams are down at the bottom of the luck barrel. Right, because I was going to say, like, you kind of make, can you make the argument you make your own luck, and if you kind of stink, then it's bad luck, but you're saying that's not what this is showing. But again, like, yeah, you dive deeper, and you go through the, the aspects of a game, like bounces, you know, is it a, it's a good shot for a good, three-point shooter, but they just have an off night, like, uh, things like that. Uh, like, uh, just to give context here, yeah, Mizzou's at the very bottom. They're Right above them is Murray State, who's around the same uh, 
type of team as Mizzou has been this year. But you go a little bit higher up the list, and you see teams that are probably going to be in the tournament this year. Wake Forest is among the bottom 10 in all of luck this year. And they're, they're going to be a tournament team. Cincinnati probably is, too. They're around the same uh, place. Michigan State is all the way down here in the bottom 15 or 20 teams in luck. So, look, I'm not saying that it's uh, that it's this huge uh, reason why Mizzou is this bad. Like, they're bad because they're they they're can't re- they can't rebound they they can't clear defensive rebounds they can't defend guys in the in the half court they they can't you know it's it's just, they there are a lot of things working against them that are within their control but it's also kind of indicative to point out that there are things out of their control that are also not going their way and that's why they're not as bad as their record says there is but all of these factors contributing to where they are now. Right. And, like, nobody wants to hear your 0-15 team isn't as bad as the record indicates. No, like, I get it. You stink. It's, you just aren't – you're not good this year. But I will say it, it does give me some solace to hear that they're last in the luck factor because it otherwise I'd be going, you know, a little bit crazy having to watch this. Like, hear me out through this. There is some data point out there that will tell us you're not nuts to be driven nuts by this Mizzou basketball team and the way the season has gone. Like, we know they're not a good team, but to also be able to throw in there, like, they've also been incredibly unlucky, yeah. which however you factor that in, it does my heart a little bit good to know, to hear that and to know that because if you if you had told me they, they ranked, you know, highly in the luck factor, I'd be like, so what is it about? Is it me? Is it Am I the problem here? With Is it me when I tune in? Am I the – at least we go, oh, you know, there are some things that are just unquantifiable, and in those things, Mizzou is dead last. <laughs> so, like, yeah. you just – what do you do but just kind of throw your hands up and go, oh, boy, it is it is exactly as we it feels, right? It's just if it ain't one thing, it's another. That's the Ken Palm luck factor in an adage is, eh, if it's not something, it's going to be something else. So we can just accept that it's just been a, a no-good, dirty, rotten basketball season Right. And start to think about, hey, who is Dennis going to rally around to build next year's roster and get excited about it? You know, these are still Mizzou guys, and, and you still want to see him close strong. But from a mental health standpoint, I can't, like, emotionally invest in whether or not it happens. You know, it's just where well, we're no, at. I get it. It's, it's not to say, oh, there's a whole lot of hope for the future because they were just unlucky this year. No, it's not that. I mean, no. they're, they're only a few, even if the luck is even on their side, they're only a, maybe a few they wins might win better a game. than Yeah, <laughs> like two <laughs> like, or three nice. wins would be, they'd have uh, this year. But again, it's it's kind of to illustrate that this has been a perfect storm year. Like they, they didn't get the same players that they did out of the portal as they did the year before. They... Couldn't they couldn't mesh together quickly and or maybe not quickly enough, but at the points where they absolutely needed to when conference play started and they let it, you know, spiral out of control from there. A few bad injury luck moments, uh, and then the luck factor. Like it's it's all of those things contributing to a season that we just don't see very often. There's only been last twenty five years, there's only been one team that's gone winless in the SEC, and that was Vanderbilt, I believe about five years ago and that's it so these things don't happen and and it has to be a very special circumstance for them too 
And again, we don't know for sure that they're absolutely going to go winless, that they have a chance this weekend. Rally for Ryan. Ole Miss is a struggling team that they can pick them off. Not going to say they're going to, but it's possible. Other than that, though, all of these factors contribute to what we're seeing now. Give us your uh, thoughts, 875-KTGR, here on the big show at uh, 417. Let's go to the KTGR hotline now. Hello, who's this? Yeah, this is Roger. Roger, you're on the big show. What you got? All right. Well, I, oh, several things. I've had great faith in Coach Gates. I know that we started fairly good, but now we're in a position where I think we just don't have the talent to beat anybody. And, and I think we've got some players that compete very well, but we don't have the depth. We don't have the size. We don't have the athleticism to keep up with this SEC. I've been disappointed that he hasn't played a few of the players more, especially Connor Vanover. I thought he had a good game last night. I think we have to have faith in Dennis. I think he's an outstanding guy and a good coach with all those recruits coming in. But, boy, it scares you because we've got a lot to mesh and a lot to figure out. Yeah, appreciate the call. Faith faith in the coach but scared to death about the future until we get it worked out. So Yeah, it's a, it, and it's fair. Appreciate the call, Roger, here on the Big Show KTGR. I'm not going to – here's the thing. They have talented players. The depth you, you do – you can question. There's just not enough behind the best five or six guys when you, when you have to give the front line a spell and you have to put the second unit out there, you know, whether it's Vanover or Borma Jacques or uh, some of the younger guys who are coming along but just aren't there yet, there's not a whole lot of great options that Dennis Gates can turn to. So I'm not going to completely criticize, oh, he should be playing this player over this one. I mean, yes, you can dive into the lineups and, and say that there are better units out there that can get you more efficiency. There, You're choosing between some at this point right now not great options if you're if you're Dennis Gates right and I and I think Roger probably acknowledged that too and it's just one of those things of where they are we can do all the lineup combos we want at this point but you're 0-15 you've exhausted a lot of those options and yet the depth is is challenging like I mentioned you know Noah Carter was supposed to be kind of a prime piece of this team he's in some games been relegated to sort of uh you know reserve duty 14 minutes, didn't score last night. Jesus Carolero, 16 minutes, didn't score last night. You know, that's an example of a transfer that you brought in but didn't make, you know, necessarily a, a ton of contributions this year. And it, just the chips fall where they fall, and that is what it is. But I'd also say beyond the depth not being um, very robust, I don't think the top-end starters are very robust. Like, there are some ten- – I'm not going to say they're not talented I mean, or not one guys. Sean East belongs in this league. DeMar Bates belongs I, in this league. There but there's guys. a difference – But there, again, you name two people, and there's a difference between saying you've got guys that belong in this league, which they both do, and saying, like, these guys are our best players, and the, the gap between those two is, you know, they're, they're relatively sizable on most nights when I think on a contending SEC team – Tamar Bates is one of your two or three best players, and Sean East is one of your you know three or four best players. But you've got another one like him, or maybe even a, a, another glue guy anchor that is maybe even better than those two, right? And so you're just depleted on depth within your your starting five and depth within the the, the bench guys that are going to come in to try and, and hold things serve. When I will say those first unit guys have done a good job recently in most cases 
of kind of keeping it within, at least a single-digit deficit for most of the time. And you mentioned yesterday they find a way to trim it, but they don't have the guys, they don't have the dudes to carry them over the mountaintop, even if they do make the climb to get right back there in the mix of a game with, with 8, 12, 15 minutes to go. They just haven't had the dudes, and we believe, based on what recruiting rankings tell us, that dudes are coming. Those guys are going to need some some time to to polish up and to to learn the collegiate game and to improve their skills. But, you know, maybe the promise of those incoming freshmen to go along with the guys that do remain because there are some worthy guys to retain if De- Dennis Gates is able to do so and then mix in some transfers. Next year can be a very different narrative from Mizzou basketball, but for right now they are where they are, and we've got three games and a Wednesday night date in Nashville to go uh, before being able to move on to the offseason. And, yeah, I agree that it can't get here fast enough, two weeks away pretty much, uh, from from being able to officially go into off-season mode. But uh, for now, you're just trying to at least get one, and uh, we'll see if they're able to get it, especially this weekend with it being probably their best chance left. 875-KTGR, give us your thoughts on uh, Mizzou men's basketball. And, by the way, tonight, uh, Mizzou women's basketball, you can hear it on KTGR with coverage starting at uh, 645 it hasn't been all that much better uh, because they're also trying to fight out of the last place spot in the SEC. And I believe if they lose tonight and and Georgia wins one more time, then they would be in that spot uh, for good, uh, trying to break a losing streak of their own of nine straight games. So we'll see if they can do that. They're hosting Vanderbilt. It's senior night. Uh, Haley Frank, Mama Dembele, Abby Fight, and Michael Linthicum, the four seniors for Mizzou women's hoops. And we'll see if they're able to at least uh, break the losing streak before the season ends. It's kind of the, a similar spot to where the men are. You just you can get one. You know the season's lost, but you, if you get one, you know, make sure that you're not uh, completely rolling down the hill by the time the season ends. You're just trying to stop the bad vibes as, as much as you can. That's all there's left. That's it. I mean, yeah. I don't know. You you said it, and I think you're right. <laughs> it's not it's not ideal, but that's kind of where both programs are at this point. And it's tough. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Nah, I don't both know. Teams it feels pretty low finishing last in their conferences in the same year. I don't know if that's happened before, but uh, certainly hope it doesn't happen again. Eight seven five KTGR. You want to call or text us on anything uh, Mizzou basketball today? We'll get you. Some uh, Como Man Show tickets at 520. Be listening for that. We'll also have our best sports leaps draft in honor of Leap Day coming up at 525. But up next, well, that report card that came out for the Chiefs yesterday, not so good. Will it actually mean some uh, uh, some real steps taken from the Chiefs, Chiefs to rectify that from the front office to the facilities? Will they actually do something about it? We'll talk about it next year on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Well, in, in about two weeks, you won't have to think about this Mizzou basketball season anymore. So there's there's at least that. But uh, the Tigers now have lost 15 straight. Trying to break that streak with three regular season games left to go. And probably their best chance left will be this weekend against Ole Miss. Rally for Ryan game, so, you know, it'll be well attended. And good to see, by the way, that Mizzou is still doing Rally for Ryan, even though uh, Brad Luce, he, 
he used to be an assistant coach for Mizzou, and that's how it got started with with his daughter, uh, stage four neuroblastoma, has absolutely kicked butt in her cancer treatment. She is uh, one of the strongest kids uh, that we know, and uh, it's been good to see because uh, Brad Luce, he stayed with Mizzou in, in their organization in the athletic department after uh, being an assistant coach. He's now at Memphis, but uh, Mizzou is still doing the Rally for Ryan promotion, even with him at Memphis, so they're uh, continuing that, and it's good to see that, uh, that it, it just means uh, it's meant a lot more. It's taken on a life of its own, and it's it, it continues to be something that Mizzou fans uh, contribute to and support, so good to see that it's still going. Yeah, that is a really cool thing, Andy, and and always has been a game that Mizzou basketball has, has gotten up for, so to speak. Like they, yeah. they play well in this game historically, and so I, I feel like this is definitely an opportunity. But as you mentioned, Maybe their only real opportunity to pick somebody off. Auburn is the other game, and then there's one more off offhand. At I LSU remember. is the At final LSU. one. So, like, and they're they're I think projected right now in the NCAA tournament field. So that's going to be another tough one. So, yeah, get LSU. I I've been saying the entire way that this the, the Ken Palm projection was too low on the potential of an undefeated season. It's up now to forty percent, as you mentioned. Uh, if they don't beat Ole Miss, it might. It might. Where do you think it gets? It'll to if jump they lose? to something like eighty nine, probably close to ninety. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, again, like you're going to go into a, any given conference game with a what? Even a game you're supposed to lose, maybe there's a ten percent chance you right. win it. So yeah. maybe it doesn't get a, up to ninety percent, but I, it's going to be certainly uh, very heftily north of fifty if Mizzou doesn't find a way against. Because again, Kempom gives them a ten percent chance of winning against Auburn and a twenty three percent chance of winning. At LSU. So, yeah, you're, you're talking about 65 to 70% for sure, and maybe yeah. even beyond. I would say somewhere around 80, between 80 and 90% is what you're going to be looking at. But, um, yeah, just win this one. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, you don't have to worry about 0 and 18. You can, you <laughs> yeah. can bask in the glow of 1 and 17. You know what's really weird is that I I think if they win this one the, the coming up on Saturday, then I think they actually have a very Better good chance. shot at at them beating Auburn the very next one because yeah. it just seems like it would be a weight off the shoulders. They'd be like, "Okay, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Let's just go out and play free." I don't hate without the any kind of uh, yeah. you know, I mean, not repercussions. I'm not saying that, but like no, there, but there's there, there's much less pressure on you then. And yeah, nobody wants to be the team that doesn't win a game, right. you know. So I think that there is some merit to what you're saying. So we'll we'll see if it uh, if it happens for Mizzou in the next week or so. All right, uh, the Chiefs. We we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but the fact that their uh, NFLPA report card came out yesterday, and again, I I don't think these should be taken lightly because JJ Watt pointed this out on Twitter yesterday about uh, about the NFLPA report cards or like player voted initiatives like the Pro Bowl, the t- the NFL Top 100. And he said that, you know, there are a lot of players that maybe don't take these things seriously. The NFL Top 100 is one of them. The the Pro Bowl voting, some of them just throw the sheets out or they make a rookie fill them out for them, which is its own thing. It's kind of a revelation that, hey, not, I, not really I don't surprising. know if we should be picking Pro Bowl players that way. But, yes, not, nah, not very surprising at all. Yeah. Uh, but he then said after that, But there are two things that they absolutely do take seriously. One of them is the voting of team captains. And the other one is this NFLPA report card. 
Yeah, which makes perfect sense because these are the sorts of things that, in theory, could put pressure on an organization, on ownership, to say, damn, we finished dead last like the Bengals did, or we finished second to last like the Chiefs did. Would have been dead last if, if instead of Andy Reid, you just had, like, a middle-of-the-road NFL head coach because that was the one area where the Chiefs fared well. He was graded as the number one coach. Basically, that's a. wouldn't you say it's fair to phrase it as if you're a player's coach, you're going to grade well in that? He's yeah. a player's coach. Players want to play for him, Yes, and, and he got high marks in that regard. Everything else, they were terrible, and that's that falls on ownership largely. Um, but the question is, like, does the embarrassment matter to them? Or are they just going to brush this aside? Because if I recall correctly, Andy, they didn't fare very well in the survey last year. No, I don't think so. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't have that in front of me, but I would not be surprised if they were around the same thing. Because again, they they were promised a renovation to their training facility locker room, saying, "Yeah, we're gonna." After they won last year's Super Bowl, twenty twenty two, when they beat the uh, when they beat the Eagles. They're like, okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna renovate the locker room in the off season. Then they come back and it wasn't renovated. All that was added was chairs. And they say you you, you went too far in the playoffs. They, yeah, even though we didn't have enough it, it time. Doesn't make, it doesn't make any to, sense to uh, to do the renovations because you went too far in the playoffs. Yeah, as if that few weeks difference was all the difference that there was. Oh, I don't know if we can start and and be ready to finish on time. Come on, yeah. Like, what kind of organization are you running if that's the case? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are we doing here? I don't. I don't get it, man. Uh, but again, it it wasn't just that. It was you know, nutritionist, dietitian, uh, an F in that category. There were several players that said that they don't they don't feel like there's a tailored uh, nutritionist plan for them. Uh, the training staff was the one that kind of shocked me a little bit. They were ranked, this isn't good. They were ranked F as well, last in the league, and it shocked me because again, Rick Burholder, we hear it from Will Carroll, the injury expert, all the time. You think he's one of the best? Like to have this absolute polar opposite. Yeah, and from you the know player's what? perspective is that, that that player's perspective matters, and that may not yeah. reflect on the head trainer. That may not reflect on the guy running the show, but it may be a reflection of not enough, not enough resources, not enough folks in the department to feel like the players have the freedom to ask for things and to ask for that one-on-one treatment time. That's what I saw was sort of the main takeaway was the lack of one-on-one treatment time. And, and we'll, we'll try to remember next week to ask Will Carroll about this because if I had to guess, that's maybe not a case of at the top of the department, the issue. It's how many people are hired within that department. How many trainers do you have? Do you have enough staff to give that one-on-one attention that players uh, can benefit from throughout the season? Like These responses, as we said, matter, and you should take them seriously because we might think one thing on the outside, it's fun to craft narratives, but we – but the players are saying otherwise in certain cases, so it, it could be good to kind of dig into what that looks like. But, you know, other things, and Andy, I'm finding the uh, last year's edition as well. All, all the different categories, treatment of families was okay for the Chiefs on last year. But when you look at nutrition, weight room, uh, training room, which, again, was supposed to be was supposed to be revamped, all those were basically Ds or Fs for the most part for the Chiefs outside of strength staff last year. I'm talking about 2023. Yeah. Um, you know, January 23 or whatever those those were tabulated compared to January 24. Like, this is kind of two years in a row, and we could go back further, but we won't, of the Chiefs kind of having some negative marks in a lot of different areas of this survey. And to be told, yeah, we're going to address that, and then to just 
plain old flat out not do it? What tells me that Clark Hunt is going to take it seriously this time? Hopefully the media backlash contributes. I mean, they, they're, they're looking bad across the media landscape a little bit this week for for these things. You win a Super Bowl two years in a row and you can't take care of your players. Again, I'm always going to stump for the players over the ownership that what's it going to cost them? A few extra $100,000 to make a difference and, and improve the quality for these guys. If I'm a fan of the Chiefs, I'm I'm taking the players' side as well because I want them to be in the mode and the mindset where where they're able to perform at their top capacity and maybe win another Super Bowl. Like you could say, well, they won in spite of it the last two years. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, Andy. But for me, as a sports yeah. fan, I want I want the players to feel like, yeah, they've got a good thing going, and, and it's something that I could be proud of to be there, be a fan of that team. That would be the ideal thing. And I don't know if the Chiefs are going to view it that way. Give us your thoughts, 875-KTGR on the Chiefs uh, getting a bad grade in the NFLPA report card. I want to have hope that things are going to change and that Clark Hunt is going to open his eyes and say, oh, I need to I need to change this real quick. I don't know if I can get all the way hopeful. Because here's the thing, and it's not necessarily Clark Hunt's perspective, but he is part of this uh, movement, if you will, but I'm pretty sure the NFL released a statement after this uh, NFLPA report was released yesterday, and their statement was it, a lot of the boilerplate stuff there and there. But I think mainly what they were getting at was they look forward to a third party uh, conducting this survey in the future or something like that. Like maybe pointing out the fact that, oh, this is – this is slanted. This is coming from the NFLPA. It's not necessarily you can't believe everything you hear. And I'm like, no, this is that's come bogus on because now. Yeah, there are you teams have that to. grade well. Right. They're, again, you just because you're at the bottom of this doesn't mean the slant worked against all the teams. Somebody was going to be at the bottom, and it happened to be you. So own that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Take responsibility there was for that. a big that's, reason why. And, and that was the NFL statement. It wasn't Clark Hunt's. Right. It right, was right. like, it, but Clark Hunt is part of this. 32-person ownership group sure. of NFL owners where whoever is making their statements on behalf of the NFL, they are making those statements on behalf of mainly Commissioner Roger Goodell and the owners of the teams to, to keep their status quo and everything like that. So I... I think that's bogus. I want to have hope, but yeah, it is bogus. You're what right. Need, what needs to be third party about it? The, you're the right. It is. Bo- do... You're right. It is bogus, but it's just another tactic by the NFL of like, yeah. oh, we're going to push this off and we're going to discount it and not do anything. But the the because the people that I would like to hear the opinions from is the players union. Yes, it's the players themselves. Right. I don't need you know having a third party vet the questions. Maybe whatever the players are going to answer these questions. And hopefully the questions are such that it, you know, leads to meaningful answers about the various aspects of the organizations and the, the player experience. It, regardless of who's asking the questions, the players are the ones answering them. So I think that's just, yeah. Uh, again, yeah, that's a pretty weak statement to put out, in my opinion. I just, uh, and it's part of the NFL's MO, and I just, I want to have hope that things will be different going forward. But if that's how the NFL feels, then I kind of generally think that's how most owners are going to feel, and Clark Hunt falls into that bucket. So I I sure hope Clark Hunt's listening to all of this stuff about uh, his players speaking out about him essentially being cheap. Like, that's what they're saying. They say that he has the least willingness out of all 32 NFL owners, that he has the least willingness 
to update the facilities, to update the player experience within their team, or, or at least make sure everybody is treated pretty much equally instead of playing favorites, like maybe Mahomes gets something that other players don't, or Kelsey gets something that other players don't, or things of that nature. I don't know. We, we don't know the player breakdown of who said what, but very clearly the Chiefs as a whole not looking great as far as treating their team, except for the head coach. That's He's it. pretty good. It, they it, like him. So, I mean, look, uh, playing for a great head coach can mean a lot, and, and that's still a selling point for the Chiefs. I mean, these stadium updates, even if they get uh, approved uh, with this uh, vote coming up in April, even if they get approved, they're not coming until after the World Cup. So it's like... And, and I don't even know how much that is going to do to the player experience. They need to fix. To more... They need to fix the training facility now. Yeah, they need to. I don't care what it costs, Clark Hunt. Just fix it. Like yeah. upgrade the thing. It's crazy, man. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to kick him in the butt enough to actually do it. But we'll see. Uh, give us your thoughts, Chiefs fans. Eight seven five KTGR. Do you want to see action after the Chiefs players spoke out about the situations that they have to deal with themselves? And it's. One of the worst situations in the NFL uh, to uh, to go through as far as player experience, players, uh, facility treatment, things like that. We have a live local sports center coming up. Under the bus next, Patrick Mahomes was really hoping that the NFL wouldn't do him dirty like they have in the last few years with these NFL combine overlays, but he did not get what he wanted, it seems. That's next. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. <laughs> It's time to go under the bus on the big show. Well, the NFL combine started today, and um, the pa- Patrick Mahomes has, I think, had a beef with the NFL over this. This might have been running a little bit longer than just this year. But Mahomes, before the combine really started, he tweeted out, all I ask is that the NFL Network doesn't use my 40 overlay anymore. Mahomes, uh, I think... Uh, sort of infamously or famous I, I don't know what it is his 40 was like infamous four, because it was bad it right? was 478 or, or 4.8 was what it was not great you want to be a little bit higher than that especially a quarterback or lower than that the, better than that <laughs> so they so he was asking hey please don't use my overlay of like comparing me to a defensive lineman or like a linebacker or something like that well guess what NFL <laughs> Network did today <laughs> they used his overlay while also comparing him to Tavondre Sweat of Texas, who's a big, beefy defensive tackle, and he ran like a 5-2-7 or something like that. But they also overlaid him with Braden Fisk, D-tackle from Florida State, who actually beat out Mahomes with a 4-7-8 today. So I think this is actually really good combine content, and I hope that Mahomes tweets about it every year, and I hope they still use it every year. He put the laughing emojis in his tweet. Like, yeah. I think he's, he gets it. Uh, I think Mahomes is doing okay despite how that combine uh, 40 times. He's, he's doing all right. You know, not, not great, but, you know, he's making a living in the NFL. And he's doing pretty great. He's, he's getting by, you know. Also under the bus to uh, Phillies fans. There's no more Dollar Dogs night at oh. a Citizens Bank Park anymore. Come on, Phillies! And uh, they're citing fan behavior as the re- as one of the reasons why. Yeah, have you seen what they like to do? Yeah, they, I think they they crumple up their foil and throw them around, 
and like make a mess of things in the crowd. I don't know if it always ends up on the field, but I think that's part of what happens. Is there's well, just a bunch of. I, it seems that they also chuck the hot dogs, the themselves. full hot dogs. Yeah. yeah, I thought maybe they were just kind of eating the dogs and then crumpling up the foil, and but maybe that maybe it is the full experience. It's a good hot dog. You should eat it. If that's the case, because I thought it was just the foil, the, the balled up foil. If they're really right. just taking yeah. the whole dog and throwing it around, I'm gonna say. You brought this on, Philly fans. I refuse to sanction this button press of under the bus because I think Philly's well, fans are I think, to blame in well, that instance. We can throw Philly's fans under the bus for this, though, can't okay, we? Right. Like, they that's what, yeah, 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 they're the ones that maybe, caused this. Yeah, I thought maybe we were going to throw under the bus the organization for ending it. No, but no, I think no, no, the no, fans, no, no. You're right. Philly's fans can go under the bus for this because, yes, they are. Under the bus. This would not. They forced the Phillies' hand here. Like, they. Yes, there were situations of like, oh, the concourses were a little too crowded in these, you know, three spots in the stadium where they're actually offering the dollar sure, dogs. Yeah. So there's that. But it's also the, the fact that once once some of these fans get the dollar dogs, they just throw it around. They ruin it for everybody else, right? So come on now. I think in that case, yeah, Philly it, it, unfortunately it is the first documented example of Philly fans misbehaving. I don't think we've seen that. <laughs> we've never from seen the, this before. From, They've from never the thrown anything on uh, around the stands, onto the field, anything like that. Other than infa- that, infamously booed Santa Claus Philly, <laughs> Philadelphia fans back in the day. Other Eagles than that, fans. Saints, all of them. Uh-huh. Uh also under the bus to EA Sports today. Oh, why did EA Sports go under the bus? Don't tell me they canceled the football no, game. No, they didn't already. do that. I'm not going okay. to. I'm not going to say that. All right, I'll I'll, I'll snuff that rumor. Because every time we talk about EA Sports, that's going to be then my initial like, assumption. You're, you're kind of on edge on that. I'm ready for it. No, today EA Sports. I don't know how popular this game is, but I'm sure there are several players who who play it because it became enough of a problem that it made news today. But EA Sports WRC. This is a racing game. This is World <laughs> okay. Rally Championship Racing. Okay. Apparently, the game uh, like went down online. It did not. Uh, players couldn't log on to the game trying to, to play today. And it was because of Leap Day. Because they, for whatever reason, didn't program their game to be available on February 29th. They just didn't think of it. They just I forgot guess. about like, it. They forgot about it. So everybody was trying to log on to play EA Sports WRC. Like, I can't get in. <laughs> and so EA Sports had to like go on Twitter and, and issue out, okay, for everybody We're trying to play it. WRC today, here's what you do. Just go to your PlayStation uh, settings, manually change the date to March 1st, and you'll be able to get in. Oh, my god! That's literally what they had to do. And then I guess... In. To be having it on the right date and time in future days, you'd have to then turn it back. Turn it back. Remember to do that. This is kind of what they thought was going to happen, though, with Y2K, Andy. I think this is kind of uh, right. kind of a, a mini example of what everybody was so concerned about <laughs> when the when the you know the computers around the world had to change from 1999 to the year 2000. Uh, right. You know, this is this was a big deal, and I'm, I'm I'm really feeling for the people out there that couldn't play WRC for a little while today. But uh, you know, it's no it's no Y2K, so I guess we're gonna we're all gonna. Make <laughs> it, it was no Y2K. You EA Sports could have been a little better prepared for this than uh, than Y2K. They knew this was happening under the bus again every four years or so. Right, it's or so. <laughs> it's you just know, you know, you never know be, when but... it might pop up. Maybe that was the problem. EA Sports just uh, they were taking their time a little too much. They were listening to the big show and hearing Andy say, "Well, every four <laughs> years or so, or so, you end up with a leap day." Right.
It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. Make sure you get those delicious handmade chocolates and candies. Anniversary, birthday, any day, leap day. Go to the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Hey, sweet to see the great representation for Mizzou football at the NFL Combine. Again, eight players uh, participating over in Indianapolis trying to boost their draft stock. Uh, I haven't seen all the times today. Darius Robinson, I believe, had his 40, maybe a little bit under uh, what he would have wanted. Over what he would have wanted. Over what he would have wanted. <laughs> They're running, Andy. They're no, I get it. it. <laughs> it's like golf. You got to less yeah. is more. Uh, but uh, congrats to all those players for getting the invite, first of all. They all deserve it and a chance to, uh, to show out in front of those NFL scouts. And by the way, I love that Darius Robinson maybe didn't have the best 40 time because he's he's gaming the system. Everybody, he's the talk of the combine right now. Yeah. And so he had to do something to maybe fall down into the Chiefs' range a little better. That's all this is, guys. Oh, that's Everything's going to work out. But, no, he's going to be a bona fide first-round pick. I don't care what the 40 time was. Wow. Uh, he's been impressing in every other regard at the combine. Very sweet to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I sure hope he's a first-round guy. Ennis Rakestraw probably going to be around that same range, too. Those are the two most likely guys that you might go see. On, on day one in the NFL draft, but uh, good to uh, see them all get a chance to, uh, to show their skills. And also very sweet, Caitlin Clark uh, declaring for the WNBA draft. I tell you what, I'm going to take the WNBA by storm when she gets there. Yeah, she's going to be great immediately, and uh, screw you, Darren Ravel, because he had stupid takes oh, about it. Oh, yeah, We could throw right. him under the bus. We could have. We shouldn't give him the airtime, but just real quickly, stop being stupid. He's incapable of that, so... Life moves on. Yeah, we just move on from that, and we go to something else that we don't like, which is the college football playoff executives thinking that they can just change things however they want to. Before... I'm afraid they're right, though, is right? the problem with this one. <laughs> they they do have the power, I suppose. We haven't even seen what a 12-team expanded college football playoff looks like in this uh, iteration of college football, but we're already talking about expanding it further than just 12 teams. We'll talk about what's gaining support next. But um, we'll get to that. We'll also give you a chance to win some Como Man Show tickets at around 520 or so. And how about this? You ready, Brendan? You got your big board ready? What is it? Best Sports Leaps Draft. Oh, crap. Talk about first-round picks. What's going to go in the first round here? 525, our Best Sports Leaps Draft. And on our Elite Day, it's coming up next on The Big Show.